0: Hello, my name is David Turner and this is episode 11 of the Lunar Poetry Podcast and today I'm joined by Sarah Lester and Nathan Penlington. Hello you two. Hello. Hello. And this episode is going to be based on a collaboration between uh, artists but obviously more specifically today between writers and uh, I'm going to let my two guests introduce them and we'll start with Sarah.
1: Hello, I'm Sarah. I worked on, I'm one of the writers of um, an attempt at exhausting a place in London. I used to work as um, the assistant editor on a online magazine called the Journal of Wild Culture and I, I work as a researcher at UCL University.
0: Cheers, Nathan.
2: Hello, I am Nathan Penlington. I am a writer and a performer and my uh, history is a little bit different than Sarah's. I, been writing and performing within the the poetry world for about 20 years now I think it is since I first moved to London Um, so I've got a lot of background in performance poetry but also in performing magic um, oddly and uh, I've combined my love of literature and performance in my last few projects. My last project was a live interactive documentary based on choose your own adventure books.
0: Thank you very much and we also have another guest which is Cook, Sarah Nathan's cat and I only say that because, is it she? It's a she. She, she may, will make herself She may well jump up yeah. and uh, knock the microphone over or something. and uh, yeah, Just so you know, it's not me. And yeah, so as Sarah uh, mentioned there, they've recently released a book in collaboration with each other and it's called An Attempt at, to, at Exhausting a Place in London. And it's uh, it was... Uh, I've, I'm going to use the word recreation even though it's not and we will explain as, as to why it's not a complete recreation, but of George Brecht's book, An Attempt at Exhausting a Place in Paris, which was written in 1974. That's uh, 40 years on from the original book. Um, Maybe, actually Nathan, if you explain just very briefly what you did, um, uh, the process of writing the book, but very briefly, and then it'd be easier to get into the questions.
2: Okay, so the book uh, chronicles uh, a weekend in Hackney, And it's based on George Preck's book, um, 40 years earlier, 1974. He spent uh, three days in a square in Paris documenting everything that happened. Um, So we uh, tried the same experiment 40 years later, um, but with a slight twist in that both me and Sarah wrote our own separate accounts. Um, So they run alongside each other and quite often pull the text and observations in different
0: directions. Um, And I'm gonna start with asking you both, it, it seems, it, especially if you read the original by George Perec, it's it presents itself as a very solitary exercise to sit on your own and, uh, and observe the world around you. Why, um, did why did this idea present it to to you as a collaboration? How did that come about?
2: Well, I've kind of been interested in experimental experimental writing for for a long time, and it's it's one of my passions within the realm of literature, um, and. Yeah, the idea of sort of celebrating the anniversary of a kind of series of non-events was hugely appealing in, a, in my love of kind of absurdity. Um, but I think in approaching it as a collaboration really transforms the nature of the text and the idea of um, observation and what that might mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of the main impetus really for making it uh, a collaboration between the two of us. Uh,
1: I think I just wanted to see if I'd if do it as a kind of challenge. Which I knew would it would spur me on, knowing that Nathan was doing it. So it's maybe more competitive in that I just wanted to put some time in and see what happened. With with no real view to thinking, oh, this will be a book at the end, but just to think, okay, well, I want to spend some time. I enjoy writing. Um, let's see what happens.
2: Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, there was no. There was no original aim that this would definitely be a book. Yeah, I was it, was that, yeah.
0: You, it was an exercise that you both wanted to carry out. Yeah, it was uh, an and exercise,
2: yeah. and it would have ended up being a a, homo- a private homage in a, yeah. in a sense. Um, we had no real idea if the writing was good enough until we kind of you know, mm. brought the two pieces of writing together and kind of
0: sort of set it out and started sort of looking at it in, in detail. Really, I wanted to ask. Um, you sort of answered that question slightly already, but uh, was it difficult? to make mundane observations without being aware of somebody reading it afterwards did, did you, were you tempted to make it more interesting the text
1: yeah i guess there's always a slight pressure to it's it's more like as you're watching something happen or something unfold you'll always have your own take on what that is and there's never going to be some objective dry way of, of writing about something everyone would always have their own input into what they're actually seeing however mundane it might be but I didn't I, I know I could have tried harder to be like oh this is going to be laugh out loud funny all the way through so it was almost like a bit of tension between like I'm still going to try and be honest to the situation that's happening but then there's always going to be the odd little quip that you'll think of in your head and and record that but everything yeah. is because I it think
0: happened. I was surprised when I read the book because I I think I had an idea in my head that it was going to appear like a weather journal mm. you know very dry in that sense of okay. just logging events at certain times but you do I suppose if you're going to spend that much time in the cold on your own your mm. mind will wander to other things and it's mm. did you find yourself having to rain rain back a bit and not be too too elaborate in the way you describe things I think um, I think this is fair to say I think my account
2: is more self-reflective at times.
1: I, I, when I started reading Nathan's account, I got a bit annoyed that he'd put so much more of himself in it, because I was like, mine might seem almost more dry in comparison, because I tried to keep that distance, but then Nathan had put these more kind of poetic ruminations, and then I was like, oh, I didn't do that, I didn't think that was what we would...
2: Well, uh, yeah, but there kind of wasn't really any sort of set rules as to how you would kind of approach... The accounting Mm. of of what went on, and I think it it sort of takes over the your your idea of kind of uh, your your experience with in in writing and literature. I think sort of takes over with in that kind of documenting something. I suppose you can't really separate yourself out from the process of doing what you were going to do. No, and it
0: was it was interesting to see the subtle differences between the way you both recorded. I don't know if you agree, but Nathan's account seemed to—he, you seem to speculate as to why people were doing what they were doing or where they were going, whereas um, Sarah was a bit more interested in it, in just explaining in more detail what people looked like. whereas you, seem to, be, yeah, you to seem to f- yeah, you seem to fade dream off a bit, and yeah. yeah, I
2: think Sarah's account you know is definitely more detailed in in uh, yeah in ways that mine
0: wasn't, and yeah. kind of reading back through, you can kind of um, can see this. How did you both decide on what you were going to be observing? You know, so the, this this practice essentially was to um, ignore the big things we would normally look at in life and focus on the mundane and the, and the banal and the small details, mm-hmm. but how, as artists, did you decide what was banal and what was mundane? That is a good, very good question. <laughs> um, so I only started on the Friday
2: with the... the I knowing that you've got three days ahead of you to do this, mm. and I kind of started with the idea of trying to catalogue things in in areas and groups of types of things that you might see um and that kind of quickly fell away, and you end up i don't know it's it's what your eye's drawn to, I guess, and then mm. that I guess that helps also then reflect to the personality of who's written written the piece really yeah um. I think by day two, I got fed up of cataloguing the buses. Yeah, you comment on that, don't you? Because it's, it's, it's yeah, it, you can't do it, you know. And I think I was thinking I was sort of being distracted from the main <laughs> the main task, but there is no
0: main task, and that's kind of part of mm. part of the joy of the the experiment in a way. You know? But did you discuss beforehand what you would try and look at, or did you just what with, yeah, each, yeah, other? with each other? Um,
1: no, I don't think we really did. I think we've been looking at Perex version and just. I think there's something that he says about it's not about the buildings or the important things or things that would be recorded in the records, like civil documents of, of that town. Mm. It's things that would be transitory. Well, he, he, he describes
0: it as being the infra ordinary, doesn't he? Mm. Like the stuff that just sort of permeates a space rather than... Well, it's, it's those moments that make up the majority
2: of most people's lives. You know, All of us spend a lot of time doing things that are essentially yeah. invisible. Like if you had to Catalog your life. You wouldn't talk about those tiny, ordinary moments. Yeah. That I've,
0: that I wrote down stuff. a quote here, and ridiculously didn't write down which of you said this. Okay, this is it. It's from. I no, it's from the book, but no, it's okay. more more of a judgment on myself. But it's just relevant to this. But you <laughs> wrote how it was hard to keep focused on the task and to persist with the accurate, uh, acute observation of the ordinary. And did you find yourself losing track of what was ordinary? Yeah, you got,
2: yeah, it's, 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 it sounds, like it doesn't even yeah. yeah. know. I, 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 <laughs> I, I did think it, it's not so very protective, it must be the one. It it's so <laughs> it's going to be, there, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's utterly hard to, to keep, to keep going in a way. Um, I wrote everything by hand as well. Oh, um, I was going to ask that, yeah, yeah. And Sarah... I used a laptop because I'm laptop.
1: sensible, and knew that would be quicker.
2: <laughs> but in a way, I th- for me, I, um... I thought that kind of the I don't often write by hand anymore mm. um, and I think that really helped the process of it slow it obviously slows you down mm. but then it kind of I think it's something in, for for me as a writer kind of really helped that but process I
1: felt and, inconspicuous by having a laptop because I think so many people sit there on a on a laptop if I was there writing by hand I'd have felt a bit out of place and maybe more self conscious about doing the task actually was
0: that what. was that an issue for you both as well to hide as much as possible Were you self you did you become self-conscious i
1: felt creepy yeah. at various because it's times. not a very nice
0: thing to do writing about people in that way is it like cataloging buses and stuff that's one thing mm. but
1: i felt to start this like oh like i could be an undercover spy this is really romantic and cool and then i thought no i'm just like staring at people like a weirdo and there's only one there's only one moment in the book and and there's a guy who does turn around and he looks at me and I'm writing about him as I'm doing it but then it's really nice because he just smiles and then I record that and I'm like oh well he helped me finish that um, sentence so that's the only proper interaction I had I think which is I think depressing. Well, no, I think... <laughs> 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 I didn't even have been to any friends. i like, I live here.
2: I mean, I saw a couple of people I know and kind of failed to recognise. Yeah. Uh, and then I think I said hello to the postman, which is which is also good. Um, but I did, I think there's a, a bit when we were, we were actually in the square at, near a wedding taking place and I, I, it was those moments I felt very self-conscious. There were a lot yeah. of people around me mm. were definitely mm-hmm. doing something creepy. Yeah, something. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, but there's no.
1: enough weirdos around. We, I mean, no one would. It's, I mean, no I mean that's like the it.
2: beauty of. I mean, that's why I love living in a in a place like this. Really. Yeah,
0: in a, in and that the, place is Hackney, by the way. I forgot yeah. to mention oh, yeah. earlier. So this all took come place and, in, in, in the in the square outside Hackney Town Hall. Yeah, it's and just beside a very, Hackney. And, yeah. place. there's a lot
2: going on. It's a very it's a, it's a very busy area, but in a very ordinary
0: urban way. Mm. Um, I think that's the best way to describe it. And to avoid seeming horrendously London century. Hackney mm. in East London people mm. get really angry when you just say borough names of London. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> East London. But, um, so it's East London. Which I understand. So Hackney in East London. Actually now might be time, a good time for a reading and give more of an insight as to how the observations worked and then we can carry on chatting so we can start with Nathan. This is a
2: short section from the end of day one, 24th of October 2014, 4.40pm. Location, middle of the square, sat on the stone wall. Weather, grey, darkening clouds threatening rain, 17 degrees. The sound of a man playing the accordion outside the front of the Hatney Empire, fondly. Another man, moustachioed in his fifties, perhaps, is dancing on the corner of the square. Every now and then he raises his hands to the sky, either beckoning or questioning. Here I am, the most central position you can occupy in the square. There is a moderate calm here, away from the edges, the push of the bus stops. A man with a closed umbrella struts up and down, pigeon-like, in front of me, along the central aisle. On the steps of the town hall stand a very small wedding party. The bride and groom and five other people pose for a photograph. There is a huge compulsion to look for narrative, but square life is made up of purely transitory moments. The man, with the umbrella, suddenly raises his arm and shouts. The pigeons, scared by the sudden noise, flutter upward briefly and land again as the man with the umbrella hooks a woman he obviously loves. The stone wall I am sitting on is engraved with the number 88, now neatly coloured in by dark green moss. The middle of the square is rarely used in comparison with the edges. Brad Pitt, free for six months. The accordion player is adding a Frenchness to this most London of locations, peachy finance. Three schoolboys in red blazers eye up a group of girls from another school, blue and green blazers. One of the girls in zips a violin case starts playing a kind of John Cale drone. The girl cycles past with what looks like, from a distance, a baguette. A baguette! An actual French reference in London 40 years later. As she gets closer, the baguette transforms into what is probably a roll of cooking foil, foiled. I've moved to a bench on the north side of the square. To the right of me, the unbroken vista of the town hall. To my immediate right is another jail tree. At the bottom of the trunk is a plaque. Commandment number one of any civilised society is this. Let people be different. Holocaust Memorial Day 2006. This weekend is about cataloguing difference and sameness, about the importance and insignificance of the ordinary. An exodus of work pass wearers. If she's one of those lazy pregnant women, the middle of the sentence lost to traffic. Do you understand? A woman says emphatically into her phone. Three seagulls circle overhead. Two of the trees in the square are covered in red berries. Fallen berries also fill the gaps in the paving. A leaf falls. Cars and buses have started to turn their headlamps on. The trees are bound in thick wire that bristles with small LED lights. The wire has become part of the trees. Electronic branches that replace leaves lost to winter with light. 30 heading north. 277 heading north 55 heading south 254 heading north 254 heading north a woman sits in the middle of the square where i was a moment ago her back to the road smoking from experience i know that she occupies the most peaceful area of the square today at least
0: thank you and um very brave for choosing to read a section with the sentence blue and green blazers in it because that's really hard to say it is, yeah. <laughs> it's quite a lot of tongue twist yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. you great. don't realise until you um, try and read it out um, I want to talk now about the physical mechanical processes of writing this particular book because I think the reason I wanted to talk about collaboration is that often it's discussed in a, discussed in a very sort of artistic way and all that really matters is or to, people focus on the compromises that have to be made with artists but I think people miss out on how difficult it is to tie in to different points of view so if we just start with um so the whole process took three days in Hackney Square and just say that Sarah you weren't involved on the first day were you
1: I just went into work that day and yeah
0: it's a perfectly reasonable excuse and it sort of highlights that (laughs) most of this stuff is done in people's spare time Yes. <laughs> if nothing else, <laughs> yeah. yes. it, I mean, it, it, I is, wasn't it's, it's committed kind of enough
1: to the yeah. project. I went up to uh... yeah.
2: What kind of artist are you? Um, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it, it also highlights the ordinaryness yes. of, of the thing. Yeah, and it. it doesn't regard it as a. And, so, and like right. you said
0: before, so you you said earlier that um, uh, Sarah, you turned up with a laptop, and Nathan, you were there with a notepad and pen. Um, could you just sort of briefly outline how the day would have been structured when you turned up and. Um, how much relevance did George Parekh's, uh structure of his, his original exercise, did that influence?
2: Yeah, so I'd kind of looked at his original sort of timetable and his timetable was purely arbitrary. I mean, if you read his original, it's based on how bored he gets and he goes off and gets a glass of wine in a in a cafe and comes back. He drinks a lot of brandy. He does, Yeah, you know, he has a lot to drink. I mean, I, I had a lot of tea, but that was about <laughs> it. Um, yeah, so it was the start and end of each day were roughly around the same at the same time he sticks it
1: out until you just he starts to refer to things that the, the headlights on the, summit, day, on the yeah. cars things like that and then the days get shorter as the weekend goes on it does
0: keep, yeah, yeah the last day is barely
2: so we kind keep, of <laughs> we stuck to, as, we stuck to his so I, mean, got it, shorter as well. I mean it <laughs> seems purely fitting uh not only as a tribute but as a kind of um as a literary device in a way mm-hmm. that you're you're constrained by you know kind of
0: european constraint yeah. but, and how important was it Um, Going back to this idea of whether you were recreating what George Parekh did, or how do you feel? Were you you trying to recreate it?
1: I largely forgot about Parekh when I was doing it, actually, I have to say.
0: Yeah, no, I think it was more of a,
2: the idea of doing it on the anniversary and kind of framing the time scale, that was kind of about it really. Mm. Um, Yeah, I mean, particularly soon as Sarah sort of comes in on the the second day and then it kind of breaks that whole thing apart.
0: Was there a performance element to it, like carrying out the process? Only
1: in terms of once I got into a, one of the cafes, I, I was like, I need to get the best spot, and I got really kind of competitive about, well, my line of vision is really important, you must, you've must, got to understand that. But then at 10.30 on a Saturday or Sunday, no one else is really around anyway. But then as the, as it gets busier, you think, oh, I really need to get a good table. Yeah, a it's good an interesting question,
2: actually, because I think the second day I was, I and was, the third day perhaps, I was uh, conscious of... Trying to get the same spots sometimes, yeah. or different spots, or particularly trying to sit in different places in the square, or the same place at a different times. Or... Inter- yeah, because I was just interesting.
0: Like now, looking back at the exercise, now you have the book. Is there any regret that you didn't document the process? As no. Well? I, well, not for me. In, I mean, visually, sorry. Not, I, obviously, you've documented. Yeah. In and yeah. If you're right you I mean for document, photographs or something like or, that, or? or just maybe for, even for a third party, you know, like it, no, no. I'm, I think
1: I'm pleased that we didn't do that.
2: I think, I mean, particularly as we're kind of living in a, a time when we're flooded with mm. photographs and videos. Because I was
1: thinking, there's probably CCTV footage of that same yeah. three days. That uh, I
0: don't know. I. So I, I'm not suggesting that. Um, it would have been a, a different or a better project had there been visual documentation. That more refers to my point about it being a performance. Yeah. And did you want to record the physical act no, of I um, recreating an exercise?
2: No, I think, particularly for this, the yeah. idea of uh, removing the visual element yeah. is really important, I think. Um, and this, I mean, it didn't start out as, a, as an idea, it would definitely be a book, and I suppose that helps that idea of whether you document something Mm. or not um but even if we'd sort of really thought about it and yes this was going to be a book I don't think I I still would have I wouldn't have wanted to Mm. have sort of photographed where we were or the (laughs) locations I mean it's documented purely through text and I think that really helps with the
1: but not purely through text because we've
2: got illustrations well that's no but that's another sort of um I don't know what you'd call it transcription in a very different way because
1: we were really cautious that some of the illustrator we, we made a call out for artists and illustrators and then we thought if someone did just photograph the square how that would seem to betray the project and what we were doing to have a very literal photo of just the town square yeah and it so. would seem it would be that that risk but of dryness I su- that I suppose you if, you, if
0: you just offered up a photograph to an audience mm. that's allowing them to choose what's mundane isn't it and it sort of goes against the whole point yeah. of it you're you know, you as artists and observers are taking it upon yourself to tell people you're trying what, what the act of writing translates yeah, it yeah.
2: into into something else and from a from a very personal point of view, I guess. And mm-hmm. you're you're making the the incredibly ordinary become important through that act. I think, I think taking a photo yeah. I still be ordinary If way. you're
1: a very skilled photographer, you can in like say Martin Park, someone who's gonna put their own um, I mean, it of, would
2: be interesting to get someone like Martin Parr to document over three days and kind of like really take thousands of photographs. Mm-hmm. But I just
0: don't think you would get. No, you know, no, you, and I think that would that be distracting anything. from what the point of the project yeah. was. Anyway, that's it. I didn't mean images as no, no, document. No, no but I mean we're agreeing. But, yeah. but the reason I ask also, as Sarah just mentioned, the book is illustrated, yeah. and maybe you could explain a bit about how that came about and why you chose to have any form of visual illustration
1: because we spent so much time in the square we started thinking well there's so many other artists and people around who also live in this place and we wanted to get their take on it and then we just had the idea of putting up some ads in news agents windows or in some of the bars that are in the area and and put a call out for
2: artists and it was a pretty vague call out as well.
0: I think we were quite conscious not mm. to put too much in it. So. And did, um, were people just responding to your brief or did they, no, did so any the, of the artists have the text to respond to as well?
2: No, so the advert just said a uh, hundred signs in the newsagent next to like, the massage, sweet massage <laughs> and uh, yeah. man in van. <laughs> and uh, so it was a hundred messages that said uh, artists wanted to illustrate book on acne um, and then an email address. Mm. So people had emailed um, and it was kind of we wanted to kind of engage with people who perhaps observe more of their environment in a way. It could be so easy just to go through on like, social media and find artists mm. that way. I think it's better to try and find people who are kind of pay sort of paying attention really. Um, I once they emailed we'd said we were looking for uh, artwork that reflects the um, kind of small interactions that happen in the square so that's how people sent the, the work back to us and we're amazed really by the sort of quality and the, yeah. the, you know, the work that was sent back to us but yeah like Sarah said we were conscious of kind of trying to avoid photographers
0: in, in, a, in a literal sense mm. I've got a couple of questions now which may not really be of much interest to people but I bought the microphone so I'm going to ask them anyway. <laughs> Go on. It's my podcast <laughs> right so I don't... You can ask anything you want exactly. <laughs> what can we do? We yeah, 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 yeah. Now, it's about the editing process, the physical editing process. Um, how did you um, keep your overlapping observations? So, Just a brief explanation about the um, uh, layout of the book. When you are both observing the square, there are alternate pages with your different observations. But you seem to have spent a lot of time in in the layout. You're trying to keep your observations in chronological order, and that's it. Seems how did you do that physically? Because it seems like a nightmare. If you if you've handwritten yours and you've well, yeah.
2: So I I mean, I once we'd finished sort of writing it, um, Sarah sent me her stuff uh, over to look at. As you know, and I was like, this is actually this is really good, Mm. Um, and then spent ages typing my (laughs) 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 laboriously typing what the hell did I write this out by hand for Um, so once we'd had the kind of two documents and realised that you know there was something interesting here, kind of, it was about trying to juggle it um, through like, you know, word programs to Mm it, just to see and I guess that comes from my sort of background in in poetry really and um, space um, on the page, I mean I had a, a collection out like a few years ago, there was graphic poetry where the form of the poem uh, graphically was the poem or the content mm. of the poem at the same
0: time. So that's kind of something that's did, uh, um, ha- did you have anyone um, advising or helping with the graphic layout of the book? In terms of- um,
2: so, yeah, once we'd got uh, Clive Burney involved at Burney and I Books, mm. um, yeah, he was involved then with the layout and that kind of became a conversation between... The three of us, really. yeah. So that was you know. a three-way
0: conversation, and not, not just between yeah. the two of you. And um, the, the second question, which I'm sure no one will ever care about, is <laughs> to indicate who who is writing which section. Your names are very faintly printed in the <laughs> corners, and who whose <laughs> fault was that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is it? I mean, this is this is a good point. Is yeah. it a fault or is it a good thing? Well, no. I that was um, no, it's it's
1: so ridiculously faint but we've decided we like it. No, so because it's No, we um we did get a, a version a PDF, um, to kind of check for before it went to print yeah. and it was really quite um more dark, well, darker on, love, on that version. More yeah. prominent. Yeah. On that version went, like, Oh we maybe we should like lessen that down a bit but they took that a bit too literally, yeah. I think.
2: But in you, a way it's kind of I quite like the semi anonymity yeah. of that and a. Uh, that you, you you I think you're aware, as you read it, that who, who's written what, but it allows you to kind of move between the pages, perhaps some, you know, yeah. read across. You read. Yeah it, yeah, it does allow you
0: to read the book in different ways, doesn't it? You've got the chart yeah. tr- You you could go from reading Mongo Sarah's account and similarly with yours. I actually I really like the fact that the names are there, but very faint. Yeah. No, my my main question was about whether it was a happy accident or whether because the, the question arises if you're going to put the names in very faintly. Why put them there at all? You know, if you're going to have an indication as to who wrote what, it's just you, an. Inju- I, you've I was got just to admit that, that it that.
1: would be far more confusing to not have even the slightest clue that they're different. I really like confusing people. Like
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would happily deliberately you make a book as difficult <laughs> <laughs> to read as possible. <laughs> I think there's a
2: danger though. With I mean, with anything that's experimental yeah. in terms of literature or whatever you want to call it, is to kind of make it too difficult. Yeah, and. Um, I think with a lot of work that I've done I'm you know I'm attracted to experimental I'm also attracted to kind of more popular forms and mm. trying to me- trying to meet the middle ground is always yeah I think you make you you have to make some kind of uh, allowances for make
0: some making some things mm. easy as a thr- yeah. reader yeah. and, like, and Sarah asked you earlier about whether there was a temptation to make your writing interesting or funny with a view to like it being read at some point mm. when it was becoming a when you knew it would be a book or a manuscript of some sort in the editing process we was there a temptation to polish things up or yeah yeah. Nathan
1: had to really hold me back on that because I was like so ready to rewrite the whole thing and be like oh (laughs) someone's actually going to publish my work and I was like totally had a different opinion on everything that I'd done I was like I can't I can't have that in a book I want to polish it all up and then Nathan because he's so much more um used to having these kind of rules that he'd imposed on making his own arts then I thought oh no okay I've got I've got to stick with it and literally tweaked one or two things to just for making sense of stuff maybe but not to change the meaning so we were really quite it it was hard but we were pretty yeah. faithful but to the were quite, yeah, were because once so. you start changing one or two things to be like oh I'm going to make that yeah. sound wittier then you're going to kind of jeopardize the whole process and what you
0: I what suppose, you set out yeah. to do I suppose that, and so, in, in parts it's important that the text is as bland as what you're looking yeah. at isn't it you know, I you mean if it. it's a list of buses you yeah, yeah. yeah, a list of buses but so.
1: then saying that I don't think we should be too hard on us because once or twice I was like laughing at my own stuff going I think this is alright and I was Sh- even surprised and you're
0: okay oh, with no. admitting that on, on record <laughs> 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 well, or, or Nathan I should have said Nathan like, yeah if you're, was... <laughs> if, if you're more gracious like, I laughed out
2: loud at some of yours no I laughed out loud at my own things <laughs> no uh, but I was
1: pleasantly surprised yeah, yeah, is a yeah I, mean, I think yeah. i
2: think that's a fair i think yeah. that's a fair comment but it's i think when you set out with something to do just because you're going to do it yeah, then yeah. when you're surprised at it i think that can only be a good thing yeah um because otherwise i don't think you'd get your work out there i think that helps with yes. kicking it over the line i think area, really.
1: framing it as more of an experiment took some of the fear away of like oh this isn't my best writing because yeah it was a fairly mm quick turnaround in terms of the process yeah we put some time in with editing process and that actually sitting there for two or three days in Nathan's case but yeah it's not the same as sitting writing an article or something where you're like I'm actually trying to get something across that's meaningful it's not uh, no 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 No, no, no,
0: (laughs) it's interesting isn't it how sometimes a very strict framework can allow you to be free because it takes the pressure of you being it's it's I always find it surprising and quite pleasant that creative people are quite happy when the the the, uh obligation to be creative is taken away (laughs)
2: yeah Um, because you can't yeah you can't make up the things that you're seeing it's it's
1: interesting you say that because I saw Darren Heyman you know from the band Hefner I heard him speak the other day at Queen Mary's. he's talking about how he's got these concept albums one of them's about the English Civil Wars and how he'd been using these very kind of strict rules to create these albums more recently. And then he started saying, he finds it really strange that the concept album is still seen as a bit of an anomaly and that writing 10 random songs about someone's life is like the main form (laughs) and everyone thinks that's great and commendable. Mm. And he's like, it's great that you can have a strict framework. They're still completely personal Mm. albums that I'm making, even though I'm writing about something that happened in the 17th century. And I totally, Mm. I I got that and I think he's great. Yeah, yeah.
2: (laughs) I think the, I think, the idea of sort of the scaffolds uh, that might it sort of hides within the work yeah. is, is really important. Like you don't need to know, as a reader, you don't always need to know the constraints behind someone's I mean, you, creative process. You, yeah.
0: But you can definitely tell that you've both tried to be creative in your own way within that framework. You know, because it, like I said, it wasn't just an observation log. It wasn't a list of things that happened. You, you did either speculate or question in different ways. You know, and it was you were trying to express. In your own voice what happened that was why it's so nice to have the two views mm. next to each other rather than with Parekh's single-minded quite bored view of <clears> quite <throat> clearly seems really disappointed he's gone through yeah. with actually doing it <laughs> yeah but I almost
1: wonder if maybe we were spurring each other on knowing that the other person was out there not in it I was trying to joke I was joking when I said it was a competitive thing for me but maybe that's what kept us going yeah. a little bit more because the odd time, I'm like, oh, I can see yeah, Nathan yeah, in yeah, the yeah. square. And you're yeah. always conscious that that other person is, is there doing the same thing. And you want your account to be perhaps that bit better because you know yeah, they're yeah, going to yeah. read it.
0: Have, you, have either of you uh, worked in collaboration with creative projects before? Uh,
2: my last project, the live interactive mm-hmm. documentary, was, I suppose, my big, first big collaboration. with, uh, And that was with three filmmakers mm-hmm. um, who were very much part of that. That process of making this stupidly elaborate uh, sort of choose your own adventure yeah. narrative come together, um, yeah. That so that was my first big collaborative project.
1: Um, I can't think of any big collaboration. No, no, no. So. It's not.
0: It's just a, yeah, just no. for the audience. I don't know yeah, yeah. whether you, whether it's a new thing or. No. But how, how how difficult was it to give up control on a project like this? I mean, it, maybe it's a bit difficult because it wasn't ever intended to be a book and it was just an exercise but I maybe you to go into that's was what it was the editing process more difficult because then it was becoming a
2: um, I think it was the wasn't really sort of difficult in that in that sense I guess it was I mean the times when you were like oh no I don't know about that line Shall I take it can I take it out can I can I add something to it and I think that's the convincing sometimes that. Because it's so easy to kind and of break some of the rules you've set yourself. Yeah, and I think it's like trying to stick to them. It's kind of the hard thing, isn't it? Um, but apart from that, it was, I think, a pretty painless process. Really, mm-hmm.
0: uh, was it? I suppose if you've not really done much collaborate, I was going to ask you if it's different because you're a couple. But if you've not really got much, <laughs> much to like, much experience previously of base, you know, working collaboratively, and maybe it's you'd just be guessing anyway. I have worked on a collaboration oh, I'm I've done. just remembered it's <laughs> done oh no it's not quite a collaboration uh, Oh, actually, right. that's, I, that's a very good point I was going to uh, say but I, I just <laughs> can't get into it because it'll take too long there's a very big difference between collaborative work and participatory work you know where people join in but it's mm. because there's different levels people say there's different levels of collaboration you know and, and it, depending on how much control you give someone you know they, they, there's a difference between letting them collaborate and letting them par- participate in your project isn't there Yes. Yeah. But but what you did together seems like a true collaboration. That's what internet. Yeah. I mean, totally.
1: yeah I, the example I thought of was um someone asked me if I'd write something for an exhibition and it was about having five photographers that it was an all female exhibition with five female photographers and five female writers and we were paired up and I had to write something which was in response to this um girl called Victoria Jenkins her photos. So it, that's a very hands-off collaboration but you're still trying to be faithful to what someone's mm-hmm. created in the yeah, first yeah. place so i mean that's very different from what happened yeah yeah i Nathan, think that was but, kind of a but that was also quite a nice restriction in terms yeah. of writing something and it having to respond directly mm-hmm. to something
0: else i think we're gonna take another reading from you sarah and so, then we'll get on to talking about um sort of what it is to be an observer as a writer so. october 25th
1: 2014 12.12pm, Stage 3, Hackney Empire Café. Still grey, but with black clouds forming, becoming overcast. Better view, more expansive without sections of wall blocking vision, panoramic. A woman scoots by on, on an electronic mobility scooter. Again, she seems faster than the cars. People wearing yellow raincoats, too many to count. A girl holding hands with her mum, clutching something with silver and gold fringing that looks like it was made at school. A broken kite or a Halloween decoration that has gone wrong. She's not crying, she looks stoic in the face of disappointment. A girl, early twenties, oversized coat, shorts underneath, dark glasses. She's holding a bottle of water in the crook of her elbow. Borderline sporty, but with the dark coat and glasses she looks knowing and wise. A young man with curly hair, obviously hungover, but holding it together. Two very old women could be mother and daughter, or friends. They are both holding on to a shopping trolley, as if it's an IV stand. A teenage boy in a tracksuit kicks at a pigeon. It flies off, but it is not frightened, more aloof. Another mobility scooter, this one is sturdier and is much slower, slower than walking pace. The driver stores her walking stick in the boot. A young girl, pretty, with an hot hackney bag, blue duffel coat with the hood up. Two couples walk by in opposite directions. One couple have matching beanies and are holding hands. The other pair are talking, around a metre apart from each other. Intense, animated gestures. A group of friends, two girls and a guy, walk by in a triangle formation. Pigeon Kicker now has a friend in a mustard coloured tracksuit. An old man, grey hair, two wooden sticks, homeless, propels himself forward very slowly. One of his legs seems injured, or perhaps both. He looks like a stock character from a play. A golf couple walk by. The man seems pleased that he has a girlfriend. A woman, serious looking, holding two items of dry cleaning. A woman holding hands with a man. She's wearing heeled brown boots and a woolly hat with two pom-poms so she looks like Minnie Mouse. Three men that look like they drink craft beer but not in an affected way. They just have beer bellies and are in their early 40s. They look like they are, were, into music. A man saunters across the cobbled stretch of road in front of the theatre with his hands in his pockets, beige trousers, brown suede boots, blond tousled hair and tan. He walks with confident strides like a top-tier Aber- Abercrombie and Fitch model.
0: Thank you very much. Um, yes, yeah, so we're going to talk a bit about what it is to observe and why bother the way you took on this project was it a criticism of other writers and the way they look and when I say other writers I mean you as yourselves but you know is it is it a general criticism that we don't look properly as writers In some I way? think as people <laughs> yeah we yeah, don't look, right, yeah, yeah. that
1: we don't look properly I don't think it was meant to be anything specific to do with writers as such but I just think myself included I was amazed how little I'd actually observed about the area next to where I live and I've lived for four years. Um,
2: yeah, I just think we, well, you know, particularly in an urban environment, you just don't have the time or the mental capacity to, to spend that long really looking and observing things. Um, and I guess London particularly, you tune out quite a lot of that, that stuff, otherwise you would probably drive yourself. Mad on a daily basis. And do you think, in
0: general, we're we can be guilty of believing that we just know places? You know, you're so used yeah. to you, know, oh, yeah. you, stop, you yeah, just stop looking at you. And, um, yeah, but it's all the, it's the little interactions with people
2: that really I think do reveal a lot more and make sort of places more human in a way because you can just get used to going, ah, oh, that's such a terrible place, or oh, I like that place, but not really have a, a feeling yeah. why. Maybe it's subconsciously you're picking up. Some of these kind of tiny interactions, but it's a, you know, the stuff I liked about doing this was how, how, brilliant and beautiful and funny some of these t- tiny moments are. You know, that we...
1: I was a bit shocked at how judgmental I I am, and even in that <laughs> thing that I just read out, I'm like, I'm saying how pretty people are, and I'm making these judgments, yeah. and even saying, oh, an, an Indian family wearing sari. and I'm like, well, they might be Pakistani, and I'm just like making these things mm. judgments all the time which is then quite exposing if yeah, you've got yeah, it yeah. down on paper and then you think god and people are gonna think i'm making all these <laughs> you know yeah. assumptions that but then everyone has got their interpretation of what of what they see but sometimes it's not always what you want it to be
0: mm. i was thinking as well that uh, maybe one the, the the biggest challenge when collaborating in a way like this when you're sort of Trying to focus very acutely on small details is that you can never be sure that the other person's looking at the same things, you know. Um, would you agree with that? Was that was that a challenge at all, or was it something just something to embrace and highlight?
2: I think in this it was about highlighting and embracing that yeah. kind of divergence between the two of us. Really, um, we'd set out so that Sarah was in different locations at different times So we, we we took up different places and then we would kind of both be in a certain place we agreed to kind of meet in a certain place at a certain time and then to kind of work from there so i,
1: I yeah. think that's also when we we're saying oh perak was just sat there and he and he was getting more and more frustrated i think having those mo- like okay well we'll do this session and it'll be like two and a half hours and i think actually having those points throughout the day is probably what allowed us to actually keep to the task
0: yeah, I think so. Yeah, and um, what about the the language that you used in order to describe the scenes? Did that change? I was thinking I've got a quote from Peric um, about app- applying the law of communicating vessels to buses. In in that because you're looking at small details, he describes buses as being full or empty, or you know, um, did the way you describe things with, with your writing did, did that change slightly?
1: Did it change over the process? Well, yeah, over the
0: process or just in in general from how you would normally write.
2: I think I was more aware of, like, types of ways to describe something. Yeah. Uh, So whether it's in sort of speed or colour or whether it's, um, you know...
1: I guess you're reading people's body language and the way they're moving themselves because that's pretty much... You've only got clothes to go on apart from how they're actually kind of traversing the space so you do start to think okay well how can I give this more life and how can I give this person a bit more kind of validity and, and you
0: were saying just now that you, you know you found yourself to being quite judgmental and I suppose that comes from superficiality but how else do you but record that, what exactly see, you know, cause you don't I, I was exactly, I
1: felt so yeah. bad reading out that line where it says there's a goth couple and he looks pleased with himself that he's a girlfriend like, that's, so hor- <laughs> that's so horrible like it might
2: not even be <laughs> but, but the thing is that might be true though i mean that, you know yeah. yeah but but also i guess this comes back to like knowing like being with the writer's mind on mm. you know and that you i think you're also aware that even if it was just me gonna read that later then you're like you've got an eye for that at the yeah. same time mm-hmm. i mean i'm trying to kind of justify your uh, <laughs> your bigotry. <laughs> <laughs> <I> Thanks. <so. laughs> no, but I mean, it, there is that tension, isn't there? As yeah, yeah, yeah. soon as you start writing, and it's and it's a thing. Mm. Um, is that the same way you would actually view view something? Probably yeah. yes, um, but you know, but you're kind of perhaps exaggerating and slightly. If, and, and if you're not yeah.
0: going to make a simple log of the 254 heading north to 254 heading north to 254 heading north and you're going to try and describe them in slightly different ways I and mean, it's a challenge yeah. and, and then i suppose that's what peric's saying they're no longer buses but they're vessels yeah. you know you and you. i suppose you notice uh things more like that you I know and you, there's only so many times you can say that a woman walks from right to left you know and, yeah i mean you could yeah if you'd reduced it down yeah. to the, the, the way so on yeah N- direction. Yes, of, yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, I mean, there was a difference in language in that I think I think you said this at some point that I tend to use
0: more words like north and south.
1: I don't you know, even like, know which way north is. So
2: <laughs> there was a kind of like, in terms you of did like space.
0: To, you, I, when I read... Um, your Snape, and it seemed like you were sitting there with an ordnance survey map no, <laughs> you're know, the one with the cu- a compass built into it. because you were very aware of um, but I think that's generally how
2: <laughs> uh, that's part of my brain yeah, anyway yeah. Um, but then I was also aware like, like how how would you begin with it if it's an empty canvas like how do you start yeah. I think that's the f- start of the first day okay. how do burn you burn log you lay
0: out ge- ge- geographically yeah swear, don't so it's like in
2: I'm in also kind of I suppose with a hypothetical reader in mind yeah, yeah. how do you log the square so that when you read it you might but maybe, but
0: perhaps something. that's so that's a a difference born of the fact that sarah you weren't in, involved in the first yeah. aid in in the manuscript you're not obligated to describe i wasn't scene. setting the scene but you didn't but you hadn't read any of that i want
1: i asked if i could read nathan's first day and he was quite strict that yeah. i shouldn't which i'm glad about yeah. now yeah but have have
0: even subconsciously things. you're entering a project and it's already started mm. and you you're I suppose you've, you don't feel an obligation to explain where you are.
1: Yeah, yeah. And there's less reflexivity. I don't mm. have those. I mean,
0: it's impossible to know, but you may have, even on the first day, not felt obligated yeah. to set the signal in any way, you know. But it, yeah. it, that's just an interesting difference between the way, the way both of you look at um, being in a place, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. And it, yeah, spent, there is a the difference in the in the language in that. <laughs> did, did the way you observe change over the time that you spent in the square? Um, did you reprioritize what you were focusing on in any way or because uh, I know you st- like Nathan you stopped like a very simple thing you stopped looking at the buses yeah, you was, at one point like, like, you not, physically I'm turned your back to like, the like, main I'm not, I'm not writing bus numbers <laughs> down anyway. but, I
1: think it became almost easier actually because you can kind of compare compared well I only did two days but on the Sunday I was like oh there's a different kind of feeling or like there's a more casualness or people are more hungover or certain things Mm. that you kind of think well I've got something to actually compare today with because I had yesterday so it became a bit more rewarding in terms of it feeling like a fuller Mm. piece I
2: I think um, when you see the same people you might have seen earlier on oh I love that
1: when someone had come in and oh I saw them like half an hour ago and they're just walking (laughs) the opposite direction looking exactly the same or they're carrying a bag now and you think it's actually absurd sometimes that someone might kind of be like crossing over the square, come back, go back another direction, and it just makes everyone look like they're completely. Their lives are a bit meaningless because they're going around in it these was circles. Hard. It, it, it yeah. did
0: seem like there were a couple of characters that spend their whole working day pottering about the square. In some ways, you know, yeah. and delivery delivery drivers seem to yeah, yeah. keep coming back to that was obviously their route and their patch, so they're back yeah. and forwards all the time. Mm. And um, uh, obviously, street cleaners or yeah. that kind of thing—like very much, yeah. that, uh, you know—involved in that mm. kind of life. And I suppose, it. unless you're being um, quite strict with yourself and sitting yourself down in one spot, those are the things you miss in life—the repetitiveness. Mm. Because London can seem qu- quite a random, yeah. Well, any big city seems completely random because you don't spend enough time to notice that there are any regulars or any mm. sort of locals. You know? Yeah, and I think so. you can, especially in. Uh, Hackney in where I live at Elephant and Castle, it's easy to forget really what they are is just villages within the within yeah. city and people live locally and their, their whole lives revolve around the square in the same way Elephant mm. and Castle people's lives revolve around the shopping centre on the, on the roundabout, you know.
1: Don't you have, um, I can't remember what day it is, but there's a, a homeless person who's doing the rounds and they go at the same time to look at yeah, the bins. There's and a- and yeah. there's certain routes that, um, that's just one example. There's, there's, there's a, but, there's a in, sort
2: of elderly woman appears sort of towards the end of the morning um on a sort of route with the bins and then she appears again on the saturday sort of exactly the same time mm-hmm. pretty much um yeah. and those are kind of things that we're we, you know living in a city you tune out i mean and again you, know, you, you speculate larger...
0: as to where she's come from and yeah does she have a route further outside yeah. of the square and that's an interesting okay. thing to then you know it's a natural thing i think to speculate but it doesn't at the same time doesn't really fit in what you you know if you if you explain the initial idea that yeah. doesn't seem a very relevant yeah. point to make yeah but it does in in the context of the whole book it makes a lot of sense uh, as to how that speculation would develop i suppose that's
2: the the thing isn't it you kind of you end up cataloging your speculations as much as you do your observations mm. uh yeah. and that very much becomes part of the life of the of the text i think um one of the big differences talking about language um between this account and Prex forty years ago is the amount of um adverts and slogans and names. Yeah, that's, and it's a, it's celebrities a, yeah. and brands and you get hammered down with it, you yeah. know. Um I think buses get replaced with just these slogans like Brad Pitt, Brad mm-hmm. Pitt, you know, and, he, uh, and that is very much miss uh, yes, there are
0: adverts in, yeah. in Prex or kind of a couple of slogans or
2: the headlines in newspapers. It does it but, does
0: highlight how overwhelmed we are now with images yeah, yeah. and signs yeah, yeah. and stuff because yeah you, you both list a lot that, you know the bus is going past with billboard you know signs on the side you're obviously you've got the Hackney Empire there which is covered in posters and adverts it's and things that it's, uh, and then the bus stops as well with adverts on it's the bombardment and yeah. the
2: absurdity I think of some of the juxtapositions between what you're going to
0: sell or try to be yeah, sold you know? I think now we've sort of discussed a bit as well with, um, how you're Writing, so I was on this overlapped or differed. We'll take our final reading, which we got both in a, Nathan and Sarah are both in a reading tandem.
2: So, this is a, a part uh, from towards the end of day two, I think.
1: There's a kid in front of me with a pink and purple patterned plaster over her right eye. She wears glasses over it. She takes large jumps across the square, seems unhindered by her sight based issues.
2: A white stretch limousine pulls awkwardly in front of the town hall.
1: A huge white Ford excursion limousine truck pulls up in front of the town hall, the faint sound of hip-hop music playing inside.
2: Oh my days, shouts a small boy pointing at the car. The limousine reverses twice trying to avoid the bollards. It ends up facing backwards in front of the steps. You disappeared, a man in shade says to a sneezing girl. The driver of the limousine is listening to drum and bass kids gather expectantly on the steps, waiting for a celebrity to emerge from the back of the car. A people carrier pulls up in front of the limousine, its bonnet tied with ribbon. Four smartly dressed young guys pile out, ties knotted with large knots, pose for photographs next to the limousine.
1: A people carrier with white ribbon and a bow on its front pulls up, so it is nose to nose with the limo truck. Two teenage boys, ushers, have their photos taken in front of the limo, An older guy joins them after a few minutes and puts an arm over each of their shoulders. They are all laughing, squawking, but then go back to pose very seriously each time there is a new photo.
2: A group of girls dressed in blue, elaborately ruffled dresses wait their turn for limo photos.
1: Some girls appear in elaborate blue flamenco style dresses. The girls have their photos taken separately at the furthest away end of the limo. The boys are looking over then down at the floor.
2: One of the excited kids on the steps is wearing a pink eye patch beneath her glasses.
1: A man in a flat cap, holding hands with a small boy in a flat cap, holding hands with an even smaller boy
2: in a flat cap. The arrival of two more people carriers in a Mercedes, kissing, hugs, handshakes, a palpable excitement.
1: A man pushes another man in a wheelchair. They stop under the shade of a lime tree. The pusher stands sideways on with his hand on his hip, looking at the limo truck for a long pause.
2: Hats and headdresses.
1: The longer he stands there, the less sure I am that it is a lime tree.
2: The father of the bride is wearing a white silk suit, a blue waistcoat and shades.
1: A young girl, around six, in a tutu, carefully carrying a single blue flower.
2: The pigeons have disappeared again, earlier than yesterday.
1: A man shakes her by the hand and she looks pleased. Then he bends over to shake every other child by the hand as they come up the steps.
2: It's the first time today I've felt warmth from the sun.
1: A young boy running along the pavement near Mare Street. He's eating a banana and running at the same time.
2: A guy carrying a ghetto blaster crosses the square from the gym to stage three, power cord and plug dangling.
1: A young usher with a cool, sharp haircut struggles to fasten the bracelet around one of the bridesmaid's wrists.
2: The girls are taking selfies on the stairs practised pouts and rehearsed head angles.
1: Someone notices and squeals, oh look, it's so sweet.
2: My disappointment at missing the pigeons, leaving for the second time, turns out to be unnecessary. They are now all grouped together on the grass, pecking furiously.
1: Young boy, who can only be three at the most, is wearing a three-piece suit. A teenage bridesmaid tries to take a selfie with the boy, but he won't stay still for long enough. She sighs and rolls her eyes. He runs off to shake hands with the handshaker again.
2: A confusion of weddings. Another, more traditional wedding party gather at the top of the stairs. The elaborately dressed entourage, posing for a photograph along the length of the limo, alternating boy-girl, 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 boy-girl. The driver pulls off slowly before the photo can be taken.
1: One of the youngest bridesmaids chases the three-piece suit boy around the steps, shouting, Jeremy, hold my hand, again and again. The more she shouts, the faster he runs away. He laughs as he escapes from her. The older bridesmaid, who wanted the photo with him, says, Jeremy, please, as if she is about to cry.
2: A mother with three small children stops, asks me if the bride has gone in yet. The driver overhears and says she is still in the car.
1: The pastor shakes hands with a plain-clothed wedding guest, who exclaims, Oh my God! The girl who works at the gym on the other side of the square stops in her tracks as they are taking a group wedding photo. The boys and girls together now.
2: Another woman stops, also asks about the bride, adding, I got married last month.
1: She's carrying a 12-pack of Cashel toilet roll and shouts, where's the bride? I got married last month.
2: The wedding party all simultaneously, ah.
1: The group posing for the photo tell her that the bride is still in the limo. As they say this, the car door opens and there is an audible gasp.
2: The bride mounts the stairs, two tiny bridesmaids struggling to hold the train and walk stiffly. One of the children beside me shouts, Holy macaroni! She's so pretty! <laughs> so I was laughing there. I was going to
0: try and hide it, but it was funny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you were going to read Holy Macaroni because it really made me laugh when I read the book um, I mean yeah who says Holy Macaroni exactly yeah 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 It's they watching too much 70s Batman yeah you know? yeah <laughs> and it's really nice that a kid would say it as well yeah, yeah. yeah no I mean yeah, there's yeah. so many beautiful sort of moments yeah. and uh, sort of tenderness around yeah. that
2: is you know as we said is, is easy to miss yeah I mean.
0: unfortunately we've run out of time no oh. actually I think we should talk again about other things but we've covered enough of the book now um lastly i should ask if you have any websites or blogs you want to mention uh yep yeah, you can uh,
2: find out more about uh all sorts of stuff that i've been up to uh it's nathan com.
0: yeah and that link will be in the under the, i always point down and no one can see It'll this <laughs> this whatever YouTube. you're listening whatever you're listening to it'll be under under our voices
1: i've got a tumblr but it's yeah it's not what,
0: been what updated. This, 2008? <laughs> I know, and I
1: haven't, I think it's probably the last time I updated it as well. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, I'm going
2: to sort what, it out.
0: Well, what sort it out. it out? Yeah, where can people can find this that? Tumblr?
1: It's SL Leicester.
0: SL Leicester. Tumblr.com? Is that how they work? No one knows. I It's been so long since I've... We'll, 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 help. We'll, well that would be a link that, we'll, there will definitely we'll be a link saw, because oh, yeah. we're not sure because no one knows of us, I mean right? if you don't
2: know it then we'll <laughs> no um,
0: and Nathan Pellington and Sarah Lester's book An Attempt at Exhausting a Place in London is available through Burning Eye Books and you should check them out anyway because there's lots of really great stuff um, coming up that has already come out this year and uh if i pull my finger out this is going out before christmas so you can go over to Eye books and buy lots of books it would
1: book. be a good christmas present it would be an amazing
0: christmas present yeah <laughs> and locals. also um get the george perek thing and do a comparison I've, it was really yeah. fascinating read, reading both um the translation hasn't been out that long has it no it's english no. a couple of years yeah, yeah only a couple of years but it's really good and um what's quite nice about it is sometimes if you read translations you're not sure whether it's been translated very accurately but because of the way he's writing you can sort of remain fairly certain that it's been translated you know cause the
1: translator's pretty committed as well because yeah, yeah, yeah. he's yes, y- yeah, you yeah. can tell he's quite poetic himself yeah, 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 and yeah. has yeah. got really involved with it yeah.
0: um thanks very much well thank you very thank much you. for having us. yeah um bye <laughs> bye <laughs>